Exodus 18, 17. I know you're standing. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You're not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Here's what Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, tells him to do. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. I want to work through this passage today but focusing at the end on this idea of faithful to your calling, faithful to my calling. Amen? God bless you. You may be seated. I purposely repeat thank you for your kindness to us, not just this past week, but for 25 years. You welcomed us, gave us a chance to become the pastor here And through all of the stuff that you go through in 25 years, uh, you've put up with me and we've put up with each other and we've loved God and we've seen some amazing things done for the kingdom to God, for the kingdom of God. And there's a lot more to do for God's glory. In 25 years, starting then, started reinforcing biblical principles of church life and church growth and leadership that have become part of the culture of our church. Specifically, we believe in promoting an atmosphere of apostolic power and practice that changes lives. So you have to engage and entertain the presence of the Lord, as I've just been trying to do for the last few minutes. Build a balanced ministry of the word and worship, of evangelism and discipleship, a fellowship, and service. And I wrote these statements about 24 years ago. I didn't really have the idea of this and that, but that's part of this. Cultivate, create rather a safe environment of integrity to encourage spiritual health and maturity. Cultivate team ministry by recognizing and utilizing the diversity of our members and their gifts. Provide compassionate, practical pastoral care and develop leaders for the purpose of expanding our ministries. Those six statements are value statements. It's how we see ministry at Atlanta West Pentecostal Church. The culture of a church is very important. And whatever you say and do over and over creates culture. It's not done in a single statement or a sermon or a single act. It is what you do and say over and over. It creates culture in a home, in a business, in a church. So it's important that you say the right things and that you do the right things so that you create a healthy culture in your home, in a business, and for us at our church. These values that I've referred to, these six statements are deeply rooted in the culture of Atlanta West Pentecostal Church. And even after one year, Sister Vicki Grayson was here in the 9 a.m. service, 
she helped organize, she was secretary at the time, shirts for everyone that said Atlanta West team player. It made me so happy because it has never been about the pastor or one man, one man show would be a very small show, but it has been about God empowering his body, the church, to do ministry. And it made me so very happy that we were making progress toward team ministry even in year one. Today I want to focus on this concept of cultivating team ministry by recognizing and utilizing the diversity of our members and their gifts and other words. I respect God's work in your life. I respect God's call in your life. I respect the gifting that God has given you. It is not just about a congregation respecting a pastor or a pastoral team. It is about a mutual respect and recognizing that God is not just at work in the pulpit. He's at work in every seat, in every heart, in every home to bring about His will. In August, we talked about God's faithfulness to us, His faithfulness to principles, promises, His people, and His purpose. In September, we're focused on our faithfulness in return to God, that those that are with Him are called chosen and faithful. Today, I want to address this important aspect of God's call in your life and your faithfulness to your call that God has given you. August 23rd, 2017, I spoke on our model for ministry. It was a Wednesday night Bible study. It was from this same passage. Today I've been planning to teach on, preach on a gifted church, but I felt this Exodus 18 passage a couple of days ago, and so I I just kind of felt like I needed to go through this story, that I needed to reinforce something that is integral to church culture, and it is part of the way we do ministry at Atlanta West. It is a principle. Now, we believe that we should all hold up the hands of ministry And in Exodus 17, Moses learned the power of men coming around him, holding up his hands as Aaron and Hur did. And while there was strength on the hill, there was victory in the valley as Israel defeated the armies of Amalek. We believe in multiple layers and levels of leadership of empowering people just as we'll drill down into Exodus 18 today. We believe in what took place in Numbers 11 when God took the anointing and spirit that was on Moses and he multiplied it into 70 elders. It was a spiritual act where Moses' anointing was multiplied and his load was divided among the people. I love these passages because it de-emphasizes some lordship of a leader. We believe in the lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen? And that every leader is only as good as the support that he or she receives from people who hold up his hands, who shoulder the load practically and spiritually. We believe that God has called every member of the church to a place of meaningful ministry. That is our model for ministry. Amen. It takes a team of faithful people if you're going to see the kingdom of God grow. Moses did not know this. And he did not operate 
by the paradigm that I've just kind of laid out. Moses got a visit from his father-in-law, Jethro. And when Jethro came, he sat down and ate with all the elders of Israel. They were elders, recognized leaders, but they were relatively inactive in any kind of leadership role. They weren't really doing much to help multiply Moses' anointing or divide Moses' burden. So after Jethro saw this at the evening meal, the next day he got up and he was just watching Moses' work. And at daylight, probably 6 a.m., the Jewish day was 12 hours, Moses started meeting with people one-on-one. They were in a long, endless line, and all day long, probably 12 hours, sun up to sundown, Moses met with every person who could get an audience with him. And Jethro saw what Moses did to the people. This is what Exodus 18, 14. Jethro's observing. He has fresh eyes. He sees Moses wearing down. He sees the people standing in a long, endless line, and they're probably getting a little frustrated as well. And Jethro says to Moses, what are you doing to this people? You're standing, you're sitting rather, they're standing, this is not good. Why, Moses, are you doing ministry alone? Who do you think you are? This is too heavy for you. Moses, this will crush you. He says to Moses, this man of God, who talked to God face to face, who was a miraculous leader, and his father-in-law looks at him and said, you can't do this. It's too heavy for you. This is not the way that you should do ministry. Now, I've thought about this long line of people, and I've wondered, you know, if you were in that line to meet with one person 12 hours, and you happen to be in the back of the line, you might have had more problems before you got to the front of the line than you did when you were in the back of the line. You might have been having attitudinal problems or spiritual problems. I don't know how, you know, how far Moses got in the line and you might have been standing in line thinking, well, Sister Susie's taking way too long. Brother Joe's taking way too long. My need is greater than their need and some people with knees never got to Moses and I can't even imagine how Moses felt after about five hours of that, hearing all of the people's issues and sicknesses and problems and conflicts and it was all of the above if you study this passage there's a huge bottleneck that is hindering this nation moving forward this congregation of people people standing in this long line and there was evidently no triage like there is at the emergency room if you go to the emergency room it's not first come first serve theoretically it's the greatest need gets the greatest attention the quickest But there's no mention of that. There's just a long line. So one person might have a hangnail. The next person's got trouble with his livestock, his goat, another with his kid, another with his nag, then even someone else with his wife. Not the same thing. They're members of the congregation who have got problems with other people. Their disputes and debates and conflicts. 
Someone accidentally killed his neighbor's ox. Go through the law. Read about all the things that could happen and how they were to deal with them. There's lots of statutes and judgments and laws. And Moses is there by himself. One person's depressed. Another's got a dreaded disease like leprosy. There are a plethora of needs and they're all standing in a long line waiting to meet with that man of God, Moses. Because you know, no one else has got the answer but Moses. And if you don't get to talk to Moses, you're not going to get an answer and you know it won't be from God if somebody that Moses delegates that job to helps you, right? Got to come right out of Moses' mouth. Oh, we know that's not true, but Moses was humble. He wasn't arrogant. He wasn't, he was just trying to do his job. And his motive was good, but his method was terrible. You agree? Amen. So his, he, he asked Moses, why are you doing this? And Moses tells his father-in-law, well, the people come to me to inquire before God. Like God come flows through me, and then it's me, and I tell all the people and when they have a difficulty, they come to me and I judge between one and another and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. I do one-on-one -on -one counseling and preaching and I teach them what's supposed to be done. And Moses said, this is just the way that I do ministry and I've always done it this way. Now Moses felt like a, a nursing mother carrying his people. There were times that he got frustrated with them and they grumbled and complained and murmured in the wilderness but Moses loved his people and he was faithful to his ministry. He was a dedicated shepherd or pastor to his people. He, he walked with God. He had the answers that they needed and with all of his good intentions, his paradigm for ministry created fatigue for him and it created frustration for his people. His model for ministry was like this. There's God and then there was Moses, and then there were two million people, literally. 600,000 men, plus women and children, and Moses is going to carry all of them by himself, and he's going to meet all the needs personally because he's dutiful, he's sincere, but he's kind of messed up, right? Verse 17. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Now, you know, you don't like to get advice from other people. Men don't like people to tell them uh, directions or how to get from here to there. That's why men are always lost, right? Trying to find their way. All the wives should be laughing right now and saying amen. But anyway, you had your chance. Just it. You blew it. The thing you do is not good, Jethro says, both you and these people who are with you are, will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. You're going to wear out. You're going to die. Then there'll be Joshua. They'll find somebody else. They'll kill you. Then they'll kill Joshua. But not only that, Moses, this is really bad for the people. They're in these long lines. Everything doesn't have to come out of your mouth. Somebody else can help these people with most of their situations. This is too heavy for you. It's too much for you. As great as you are, Moses, meekest man in the earth, talk to God mouth to mouth like a man talks to his friend. But Moses, this is bad. Now, 
My observation in 42 years of ministry and 25 years as pastor here, that there across North America and around the world, there are many good men and women who are pastors of churches and they do this, they try to do this the Moses way, the old Moses way. They're trying to do it by themselves. Here's a former pastor's wife, husband deceased. Sister Easton understands what I'm saying right now. You saw this in all of your ministry. Here's a good man, a good woman. They're trying to do everything they can and people would help if they could help, but they are not invited to help. They are invited to the dinner with Jethro and Moses, but they're not invited to ministry. And so that's why in ministry, you can buy books on this. You can read this all the time. Monday is the highest day in Georgia in the Southern Baptist Church for pastors to resign. And there are many people that leave the ministry because of burnout. So there are pastors who are burning out and there are churches that are not growing and there are people that are not growing and there are ministries waiting to be deployed that are in the hearts of people that God has given them and they're waiting for Moses to make room for those ministries in the church. And I say it's time to teach people to trust people and to get out of the way and let people lift the load and find their place in the body of Christ. These elders and elders in this church And people in this church are educated, spiritually mature, quality, qualified, gifted by God to assist in leading the church. It is not a sign of disloyalty. It is a sign of insecurity when you've got to do it all yourself, Moses. Trust somebody. So now this is ultimately not about Moses. Moses was a man of God. And if you rebelled against him, Spoke against him, his own sister got leprosy. Korah and his kin all died, swallowed up by the earth. I mean, don't mess with Moses because God will take care of you. But Moses didn't defend himself. He's a meek man, a submitted man. He's just trying to do ministry, but he's not doing it very well. So Jethro, who has fresh eyes, who's come from the outside, sees the dysfunction of Moses' leadership style And he probably wants to go home and see his grandkids and his daughter. But he's watching Moses because he wants to help his son-in-law, you know, be a better husband, be a better father, and be a better leader. Moses cannot see the forest for the trees. He's, He's so deep in working in the organization that he can't work on the organization to fix it. He's tired. The people are tired. And Jethro's got advice in verse 19. Listen, Moses, to what I'm going to tell you to do. I want you, God is going to be with you if you'll do this. Moses, you stand before God for the people. I want you to focus on prayer and walking with God. And then bring the difficulties, the really hard situations, bring them to God. And you shall teach them. This is another part of your job description, Moses. I want you to teach the people and then the statutes and the laws And then by your life, Moses, by your example, I want you to show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Now, eventually, I'll get to the work that they must do. But Moses' father-in-law says, Moses, you've got to pray, and then I want you to be teaching But if Moses is standing there all day long, 12 hours a day, solving problems, when is he praying? When is he studying to have something to say? Now, I know God gave the law to Moses, but most of us have to study, right? 
So Moses has got to really work on deepening his relationship with God. He's got to have an intercessory role in prayer and he needs to be a good teacher and preacher so he can teach the people how they should walk and the work that they must do. So that's Moses' job. Teach them statutes and law. Show them how they should walk and how they should work. Now this is like show and tell. Moses teaches, Moses lives it, and they kind of see it. Now, in our church and in most churches, a lot of teaching is about how we should walk, how we should be a Christian, a better disciple of Jesus Christ. And that was kind of part one of what Moses was to teach and show. I want you to teach and show the people how to live. You've got all these statutes and laws that I've given you, and it's your job to pray and then to teach and preach so that people will get this. And Moses, when a problem is too big for someone else to handle, then it should work its way to you, and you bring that problem to me, and I will give you direction. Verse 21. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, and here's the qualifications, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of ten. These qualifications are important. They've got to be able. They have to have the ability to lead. And then they should be holy men that fear God. They should be sound in doctrine and in truth. They should be hate covetousness so no one can bribe them. And they should have leadership ability, but it's not all equal. Some are going to be over thousands. Some are only going to be over hundreds. Some are going to be over fifties. And some are only going to be over ten. It's like that man that got five talents, two talent, one talent. God knows what we can handle. And he doesn't give us more than we can handle. But if you'll do what God gives you, perhaps you can grow And the Bible doesn't say this happened, but you can start out with 10 and be faithful being a leader over 10. And if you do really good, maybe you'll get 50 and maybe you'll grow into be leader over a hundred. And who knows, maybe one day you can be a captain over a thousand, but you've got to be faithful in that which is least before you can be given that which is much. Sounds a lot like Acts 6 and 3. when The church was exploding with growth. And the apostles were overwhelmed with the needs of people. And widows were complaining that they were not getting their fair share of benevolence money. And the apostles said, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, that we may appoint over this business. We've got too much to do, but we're going to give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. We're going to stay in our zone. We're going to stay in our lane. We're going to train and we're going to trust and we're going to let these seven men help us multiply the ministry of the church. And as they did, the church continued to multiply and grow because they trusted someone else to help them. Qualifications of these leaders. They're amazing people that God has given Moses. They're already there. I mean, he didn't have to go recruit them from Philistia or from Egypt or from Canaan land. They were in the congregation right then. And I believe that a church 
You know, you could try to bring everybody, but we really grow people from the inside out and it takes time, but you build a culture of amazing people. This is our model for ministry at Atlanta West. And we even need to go to another level if we're going to continue to grow, but that's homework for me and for our pastoral staff. But I want you to see that ministry was broken down into a manageable load. Jethro said, you'll be able to bear this. You'll be easy. It will be easier for you. He used that word. It will be easier for you. Multiple translations. And you'll be able to bear it if you will not try to do this all by yourself. Atlanta West knows from a video we produced several years ago that I am not super pastor. In the video I tried to be, I crashed and burned, right? It was a funny video to explain to our volunteers that you cannot do ministry alone, that you need to get out of the way and let God use the people he's given you to follow the calling of God in their life. Amen. Verse 22. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you. But every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you. And they will bear the burden with you. This is not so Moses can have six days off. This is so Moses will not be crushed beneath the weight of ministry. This is not so Moses will have an easier life. This is so the people will get their needs met by other men and women who are qualified to assist in the ministry. And Moses will only deal with the complicated, challenging issues that cannot be resolved by someone else. Moses, this, these people are going to be with you. Amen. So Moses has a job that is to pray, be an intercessor, to teach the people how to walk, and the work that they must do, and to show them by the way you live, Moses, that this is not just theory, but this is a way of life. This is the ministry model. Verse 23. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure. And all this people will also go to their place in peace. There's a twofold outcome. Moses, if you will do this, ministry will not kill you. And if it is crushing you, maybe you're doing it wrong. But the second thing, Moses, I want you to see the real blessing of this is that I have a destiny for this people. I have a Canaan land that I have promised them. And I believe that God has a destiny for his church in 2020. He has a destiny specifically for Atlanta West Pentecostal Church. And as we train and trust, as people are released from ministry, then we're able to go after that destiny. You're able to grow into the potential that God has for you. You were able to do things that you never dreamed you would ever do because you shouldered that load of ministry. You read about the seven that were appointed in Acts chapter 6. They started out working at a table, distributing benevolence money. But before long, Philip is off preaching and Stephen is doing his preaching and there are miracles being worked with people that were laymen in the local church that were just 
shouldering a load of faithfulness so you never know who God will use and how he will use them if you will just accept that God has called you to do ministry. I love this model for ministry. So Moses listened. That's a good thing. He wasn't like this egotistical guy that said, who are you, Jethro? Come from the outside, trying to tell me what to do. I'm the man of God here. But Moses listened, and Moses made changes. And when he did, those people helped him. And people grew into places of ministry. And Moses survived his leadership experience. He taught them the way in which they should walk. He taught them the work that they must do. And I'm saying this to you today because your walk and your work are very important to God. I've often quoted the leaders, but I heard Brother T.W. Barr say years ago that many men have failed God working for God, but no one has ever failed God while walking with God. So we've got to get our walk first. And then out of that walk with God grows a work for God. I'm not saying that Moses would have backslid him, but his father-in-law said, Moses, you've got to have time with God. You've got to make sure that you go to God for the people. You just cannot consume yourself with the needs of people. You won't be any good for people if you don't have a walk. And then he said to them, Moses, you've also got to teach the people the work that they must do. Now, I've taken a while to get to this point. Because I wanted you to understand the problem that Moses was facing. I wanted you to see the conundrum the people were facing. Long lines. Somebody has to step up to the plate and say, Moses, here am I. Let, let me help you, Moses. Yeah, it's going to cut into my golf a little bit. Not going to get to fish as much as I planned. Not going to get to go to the market and shop as much as I was. But Moses, here, here I am, Moses. Moses said that to God. Here am I, send me, right? So whoever said, here am I, Moses said, here am I. So teach them. Faithfulness to God is so important. That's what I'm preaching about this month. Faithfulness to God. But it's not just faithfulness in your walk, that you're a Christian, that you repent when you sin, that you're trying to deepen your relationship with God. I want you to understand that you are called of God. And that faithfulness to God means deploying the gifts that God has given you for His glory, for your good, for the building up of the body of Christ. We can't be like the men who were standing idle in the marketplace that Jesus told about. Eleven hours of the day, they had stood there doing nothing. No man had hired them. But then they were hired to go work and do something with their lives. You see, what I know about you is what I know about me as a teenager. That God had given me the Holy Ghost and I was trying to live for God. Involved somewhat in my church, but an evangelist came by and challenged me to step up to the plate, to raise my hand and say, Lord, I want you to know that I'm giving my
my life to you however you want to use it. Yes, I'll start teaching in a Sunday school class. Yes, I'll get involved in a bus ministry. I just want you to know, Lord, that here I am. I am willing to lift the load of my pastor. I'm willing to help this church grow. I want to understand the work that you have called me to do. This work is not about apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That is part of the work of God. But if God saved you, he called you, he gifted you, he's equipping you to serve in a place of ministry. I know we're called to be saints. Romans 1 and 7 says that. We're called with a holy calling. We're to be walk worthy of our calling. We should be called chosen faithful. But in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I won't take the time to display these verses today. But the Apostle Paul drills down into the giftings of ministry that have been invested in the church. That when Jesus Christ ascended on high, he gave gifts to men, he said in Ephesians 4. So everybody who ever received the gift of the Holy Ghost, also with that gifting, was given a gifting of ministry. Maybe one of the nine spiritual gifts. A place to serve in the body of Christ where you can make a difference. And I want you to understand the philosophy of ministry, and I don't like the word philosophy, our theology of ministry, our model of ministry at Atlanta West is yes, there has to be a leader, but that leader is not alone. He doesn't do things unilaterally. He is not sovereign. He's an under-shepherd who answers to God. It is not just about Moses or Daryl Johns and two million people or whatever. It is about God empowering and equipping hundreds and hundreds of people to be anointed by the Holy Ghost, to be uniquely gifted, to make a difference in the body of Christ. What I'm saying today is that I believe in you. I believe in what God is doing in you. You have power. You have anointing. You have a testimony. You have a gifting. So use it for the glory of God and be faithful. Be faithful to your calling because God has called you. One body, many members, gifted by the Holy Ghost, many of you in your life through schooling, through work experience, by continuing education, by deepening your walk with God. There are people in this church, in this local church, that have a walk with God and a gifting and an ability to do amazing things. And many of you already are. And I thought about preaching this message during COVID while things are not normal, but I just try to pray and preach, right? I try to obey my boss, the Lord. And I'm telling you that your potential in God is beyond belief. You may not believe in yourself, but God believes in you. So much so that he baptized you with the Holy Ghost. That he's given you anointing and gifts that you can use for his glory. So I say, God, I want to raise my hand today. I want to let the Lord Jesus Christ know that I am available, that I am willing, that I am ready to go. Let's bow our heads and pray.
Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you today asking you, oh Lord, to help me have an understanding heart. Hallelujah. To lead this church the way you would have it led. Help me understand how David organized his kingdom, how Solomon organized his kingdom, how you organized your kingdom with 12 and 70, Lord, and you sent them out and you trusted them to change the world. You, you made them the foundation, those apostles and prophets, the 12 ordinary men that you called. And you uniquely gifted them and trained them. You sent them. You released them for ministry. And they turned the world upside down. I thank you, Lord, that this anointing is not just for men and women who are called to be apostles or prophets or evangelists or pastors or teachers. But this call, God, is to every believer who has been filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray right now that you would begin to let the gifts of God be distributed in this church. I pray, Lord, that we would not neglect the gifts that are in us. I pray, Lord, that you would stir up the gifts that are in us.